transfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. Well, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. Let's uh, have a look at the weather. It's absolutely brilliant today. Sun is shining. We've had a very, very iffy weekend in this part of the Costa Blanca. But I've been to a place called Denia, which is uh, absolutely lovely. It's about three quarters of an hour away, Don. Um, and it's uh, just so different to my area that uh, it was always going to be nice to go and see where the whales come. I'm, I can't wait to see them. I've been a couple of times to know where they are. It's just basically I've not seen them yet, but I can't wait to see a whale in its natural environment. So looking forward to that. Uh, a long ramble from me to say good morning. And uh, how are you and what's your weather like? The weather's gorgeous, and speaking of whales, I went there last week uh, for a few days. We, they're letting the Sassanacs in now, uh, so I can I can go to my caravan, and I enjoyed a couple of days walking in the hills. It was beautiful, absolutely cloudless. Today's the same. We've had a lovely weekend. It's uh, it's very nice, you know. It's 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 great. Okay, well, look. I mean, the thing is. Obviously, as ever, we have a couple of technical hitches, but then again, when you get two technophobes who are using the technology as much as we are, then you expect the odd um, little bit of problems here and there. Actually, we say it so often, but it's uh, just wonderful to think that technology, me in Spain halfway up a mountain and you on the Wirral, um, lying back and just getting out of bed at this time of the day, um, there we are, lovely. Okay, so uh, let's look at what you've got for us today. Um, we're going to start looking at um, the weather. So uh, what's your weather been like and has it affected the people of uh, the UK? Well, the weather's been beautiful just lately. But before that, it was, it was sunny-ish, but cold, bitterly northerly winds. Um, you know, but this hasn't stopped the sheep rushing out to sit outside the pub. You can sit outside the pub now with their overcoats on and supposedly enjoying a pint, which uh, they're now allowed to do. They're allowed, the government's allowed them to sit outside and have a pint. So they do because they're allowed to, irrespective of the, of the, the temperature. Um, and also, the pub is uh, the, the beer is now twice the price. So you're looking at four pound fifty to five pounds a pint. So this is, um, you know, the, the, this is what they have to do. We have to go out and sit outside the pub and have a pint because we haven't done it for years. Now, I don't get it. You see, I walk past the pub. Um, when I go on one of my strolls along the promenade uh, of Wirral Peninsula, which uh, goes past a place called Egremont. And they're all sitting outside. There's no room on any of the benches. Uh, I don't know what the toilet situation is like. I dread to think. 
but there's like a northerly wind blowing through their weatherproofs, you know, and they're sitting there <laughs> enjoying a pint of five pound a pint beer. I don't get it, mate, at all. You know, I'd rather sit in my garden, sheltered from the wind, with a, a one pound twenty can of McEwan's export. I, that's me, you know. But uh, I, it's it's pathetic, really. And there's one here at, at the traffic lights, um, at, at traffic lights at crossroads in Upton. The, you'll know the area, and it's a cafe. And there's, there's two sort of tables outside against the wall, and there's people sitting there. It's at the traffic lights. There's cars <laughs> flying past, you know. <laughs> like, you think, it's as if they've got to go out, which shows they've got nothing else to do. They have no imagination, you know. I, I go for a walk with my pal, and we walk along the shore, um, at, 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 along the banks of the Mersey. Uh, everybody who's there walks along the promenade because they don't want to get sand in their shoes, obviously. We're the only ones on the shore. And all the others are piling on the prom, all dodging around each other. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a sad situation. But, but it's illustrated the human race, this. You know, it shows the stupidity of some. No, well, they're not stupid. They just haven't got any imagination. You know, they, like they can't think, let's go and have a walk. OK, I mean, let's look at a perspective, because um, obviously we have similar things here. We used to have people called the posers, and I'm sure you remember these people, and they'd drive to the halfway house, and they'd drive to Raby Mere, and they'd drive to um, Hillbury, and they'd drive to all these different places, which are lovely, around the Wirral. And they'd have all, all, all the, the nice sports cars... And they'd park the cars outside and they'd go in and they'd pay inflated prices for drinks uh, way back in the 70s uh, and late 60s, early 70s. And the thing is, you see, nothing really has changed in a principle, which is basically going to meet other people, say hello, be loud, be extravagant, be probably false. Um, and then there'll be others who would prefer probably to just have a nice walk on their own, nice and sort of leisurely. So I'm thinking, was Don the younger man one of the posers or was Don <laughs> the younger man one of the now Don the Elder Men Brigade? What do you reckon? Now, Don has never enjoyed being ripped off. That's one thing I've never been. I will not get ripped off. I will not go to a pub where the prices are inflated. It's like this, this £4.50 a pint business, to save your local. That's what they're saying. Save your local. We need to put the prices up. I bet you they don't come down. I bet you they don't come down when all this is over. They're still going to be paying £5 a pint and the pubs will close down. What makes me laugh is before the lockdown, there was no one in the pubs. They were all closing down. Nobody was going to the pubs anyway. It's as if, oh, we must, we must go to the pub, we've missed it for a year. They weren't going beforehand. But uh, to be ripped off, you see, it's not really the problem of the customer, you know, that they, got, that they might go out of business, they've got to put the price up. It's the problem of the people who run in the business. You know, there's other ways. There's businesses here who do carry-outs and, and, and deliveries 
you know that that's how you you've got to survive it's one of those things that's never happened before and you know to, to just say oh well you've, we've got to charge you five pound a pint to save your local what a load of rubbish you know i wouldn't pay five pound a pint for beer you know i wouldn't pay that for a meal <laughs> well i have to be honest you see i i'm with you i i don't like over uh, overpriced places now Yesterday it was um, a birthday, so we went to a nice place. We sat overlooking the uh, Mediterranean, and uh, basically, Denier is a nice place. There's some beautiful uh, situations, but for what you got for your food, it was overpriced. And yeah. I always resent that because, okay, you've got to pay a little bit more if you go to a nice place. I understand that. But what would normally cost something like 12 euros suddenly becomes 25 euros. Yeah. And when you actually look at the amount of food going on your plate, it's certainly usually less rather than more. And it's certainly it's this uh, cordon bleu type stuff, you know, which is always reminds me when I went to, to, to the college. So the faculty which were doing the catering used to ask for volunteers to go and be a customer at one of their training nights. And I remember going and we got this sort of um, blue ribbon stroke cordon bleu meal and it looks very nice, but just because you dribble a little bit of sauce or something over a, whatever you're eating, it doesn't make it a better product. And unfortunately, that's part and parcel of certain places do try and get away with it and often will get away with it. Let me go to um, the health side of this because if people are outside sitting and enjoying the northerly wind, and I do know how the northerly winds can blow, and I would have thought that has got to be a little bit better for the COVID situation. You know, if people are outside and breathing fresh air, um, bits of the Mersey or the D or, you know, um, even the Mersey estuary. Um, that's not going to be a bad thing, surely. I don't see much social distancing when I see <laughs> these places. I don't see it. You know, I mean, they go there and you see it on the TV. You know, they can now drink outside. There's like four girls around the table and they're, they're, they're about two inches away from each other's face. You know, and they're youngsters who haven't been at the jab even so you know i don't know i, I don't know i really don't know I can, I can see this not solving any problems but i can understand why they're doing it but people have to obey the, the sort of rules but they don't seem to be doing that you know you go to the, the there's a pub local pub here and and there's a, a beer garden and it's heaving the beer garden and the, there's rolls sitting on the wall you know that's not social distancing you know but there you go people have to have it because i suppose you know they don't have anything else to do or can't think of anything else to do i don't know don it's i'm caught between totally agreeing with you and totally disagreeing with you <laughs> that makes a change <laughs> no i'll tell you the reason why um I i'm finding it difficult is because quite frankly i still think the whole thing's contrived of course there is a germ. Yes, I think anybody who doubts that is silly. But the way we're handling this is political. 
and quite frankly I think to ruin the economy is playing into the hands of the Chinese communists you only need to look at what's happening with the Chinese military build-up in the South Seas and look at what's happening in the Russian build-up which is on the border of Ukraine to know that there's more to this than meets the eye it's a Chinese and Russian complete uh, attack on a way of life and I think quite honestly we're falling for it hook, line and sinker. Now to go to your points, everything that we've done um, and what these sheep are doing uh, have, has been going on whenever and wherever I've been with people. They've always done these sorts of things and you know things like the social distancing, they've always been people that come too close and that's why in the language you talk about people keeping people at arm's length you know um, and knowing that uh, the distance that you really afford people is not just a social distance it's for health it's for everything I mean a lot of things that we've uh, learned over the years we haven't really been taught properly because the people that taught us probably didn't really understand fully the concepts of keeping your people at hands uh, you know at an arm's length uh, you know yourself if, if you um, talk about certain people you say I wouldn't touch them with a barge pole as though that's measuring a distance between you and somebody you don't like why don't you like them usually because they're, they're trying to do something you don't approve of so I think we are a little bit trapped into every time we turn on the telly we've got this blooming message you know about uh, saving the NHS now that's all f dissipated a bit now hasn't it we don't hear that yeah, mantra yeah. It's all political for me. And well, the, th the thing is, though, you know, the numbers have gone down because people have been obeying the rules. I, I, no, I haven't been ill, touch wood, for uh, a year. I haven't had a cold. I haven't had the flu. I haven't had, normally, I get the flu around February every year with playing in the band, which I don't do anymore anyway, but someone coughing all over you. Well, people have been separating. The numbers are right down, rock bottom which is great, you know, but the way it's going, that's because people have been doing that. Now they're not doing it, I can see them going back up again. You know, after all, if I've been social distancing for a year, I put all that work in, I'm not going to go sitting in the pub now and, and getting whatever or not getting whatever. You know, I'm just going to wait until all this has gone away, if it ever does, you know. Yeah. But I, I can do that because I'm not, I'm not that sociable. I don't go into pubs particularly for meals. You know, um, so you know it doesn't it doesn't really affect me that much because I like to get out and get out on the bike and go walking and uh, hiking in the hills. You know, that's what I enjoy doing. Well, that's but, uh, that's that, that's really quite similar. It's, it's quite similar to me. Uh, I I really do prefer to um, to just have a nice long walk d down by the side of the sea or up in the mountains. So we're not really that uh, dissimilar in that respect. Um, Don, let's go next to what's happened, obviously, last week with the Duke of Edinburgh dying. And um, you've, you've got some news for me about what the BBC have received. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I, I saw that. I felt sorry for the Queen, by the way. Oh, God, I felt so. I know exactly how she feels. It was awful. Yes. But uh, the BBC received about 140,000 complaints about the blanket coverage of the death of Prince Philip. He cancelled, on, on the day of his death, he cancelled 
advertised programs to put the whole night on, on the subject and all day actually and on BBC One and BBC Two and took BBC Four off the air completely. Well, you only need one channel for it, really, if people want to watch it, don't you? Yeah. You don't, why have the same stuff on BBC One and BBC Two and take off BBC Four? You know, but I suppose it saved them having to think about their normal program schedule. You know, easy way out or what? typical BBC but of course a spokesman has said they felt they needed to do this for their viewers obviously not you know uh, it, uh, the BBC honestly I don't know I just don't I just don't well, I imagine don't watch much of it they're very good in a lot of things but to, to have it on two channels and to take off BBC four if you didn't, if you weren't a royalist or you weren't remotely interested in it all, then you've only got ITV to watch, and and yeah, you know, you, you've nothing to watch on BBC well, all day and all night. Don't do, maybe you might see things more, to my point of view, in this because, quite frankly, uh, doesn't that sort of suggest to you as well that really? It's all about brainwashing everybody. That's what the whole thing's about. They've just had Meghan Markle and Harry um, giving the opera this ridiculous interview, which all the woke brigade, um, you know, are sort of totally swallowing hook, line and sinker. The only way that you can fight these things is to go blanket coverage on something which is pro the royal family. And uh, I have to say, uh, I think the Queen in a general sense, has been marvellous through this. It must be dreadful for her, really, really sad. Um, and I think one or two of the royals are showing a better side of what they can do and what they can represent. So I saw this as a media opportunity to maybe get the balance looking a bit better. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, but they only need one channel, don't they? You know, do it on... BBC Two or be do it all day on BBC One. No, they don't. But that's that's not that's not what I'm saying, Don. My point is, if you look at the COVID stuff, um, that's how you do blanket coverage. You put it on every channel, every minute of the day, and then everybody believes whatever it is, whether it's a lie or the truth. We will never know. Well, well, maybe we will someday, but. Everybody has to believe it because you're listening to it. It's, it's like the German Nazi propaganda stuff. Yeah. Now, if you only had the royal family doing BBC, BBC One, those that didn't want it wouldn't watch it. Everyone else has to watch it now. Well, yeah, you don't. You, 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 there's, there's other channels. ITV didn't have any coverage. Well, just the normal news coverage. You know, but to take BBC Four off, it's ridiculous. Like you say, it's it's forcing you. If you want to watch the BBC, it's forcing you to watch that. Which you know, I didn't watch it. You know, the funeral. It's very sad. I thought the I thought the Prince Philip was a great bloke. He was a, a great character. There's no doubt about that. And, and the Queen is fantastic. But you know, the rest of them I haven't got any time for at all. But the you know, it's the way they do it. It's an easy way out to me. It's the same coverage. It's not as if it's the BBC One coverage and then a, from a different angle on BBC Two. It wasn't. It was exactly the same programme. So all, you know, 
they should have had it from a different angle, perhaps from the air. Let's have this is this is the funeral from the air, you know, but, or something like that on BBC Two, so you could switch and see it from a different angle. But it wasn't, you know, just an easy way out as far as I'm concerned. And as I say, to take BBC Four off completely, what's the point of that? You know, there isn't any point. Well, as you say, you know, uh, the easy way out. I would put it the other way. I would say it's a golden opportunity. I think this is the way that you can uh, really, you, you know, Meghan and Harry have had, had a field day with the uh, interview. And yeah. in actual fact, I noticed that the figures, the viewing figures, if you believe these things, by the way, because I, I think they can be very contrived as well. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, I don't believe anything on the news. Well, they do actually say uh, that the viewing figures for... The Duke's funeral were, were, were so many million higher than the Meghan Markle interview. Now, whether you want to believe that or not is up to you. But, I mean, the fact that they put these things out tells me that that's what they see is important. So I think there were two things involved. I think there were the genuine people who really wanted to show a mark of respect to a man who's given his life uh, serving the Queen and country and um, and I'm not a royalist by the way as you know that uh, so I'm not really um, trying to sell anything to anybody um, but quite frankly I think that was a golden uh, PR opportunity and I think they took advantage of it and I think they did quite a good job in that respect um, yeah you see I, I'm not I, I have, I'm not complaining about it because it doesn't affect me because I don't watch BBC Generally, I, I watch very little ITV or BBC. I generally watch the satellite channels or stuff I've recorded. You know, comedy programs. I bank them up, and at night I watch them because there's nothing on the television worth watching. So it doesn't. You know, I, I did. I saw bits, bits of the funeral, but I didn't put it on at all because I'm not complaining about it. You know, if that's what they want to do, but but they've had so so-called 140,000 complaints so someone is happy if that's the correct figures as you say yeah okay well now then uh did you see line of duty last night i mean when you no. say you did see it no i haven't i've, I've got it i haven't seen any of them yet i've got it stuck up well so i i have to say you know when you were saying about the the programs uh i do in a general sense agree with you but I have to say that was compelling. Last night, um, because we have been following the series, we did get back to watch that one, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, well, seriously. Don't tell me about it, because I haven't seen it yet. I must tell you the plot then, Don. I must, I'll wipe <laughs> that smile off your face. <laughs> All right, look, I'll tell you something. I saw the last, saw the last series right up to where it is. It's great. It's, it's a great thing. It, it, it really was good last night, so I do recommend that you watch it. It'll be music to your ears, which is really something that the next item didn't provide. Oh, I don't know if you've heard our entry for the Eurovision. If you haven't, mate, you're lucky. It's called Out of the Embers, and I know I'm old. I know I'm past it, and but what I can't stand, there's this thing these days where people go I want to love you, I want to really love you I'm going to, they sort of have that oh, oh, they'll hit a note la la la, 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 la. Yeah, you know, that, that's the sort of trend 
you get someone like um, what's that that girl that does it? I can't think of her name. She does it, and she has a hit. So all the girl singers do that. You know, oh, la 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 la, that little bit at the end. Yeah. You know, sing this song. This fellow's this fellow's going ten to the dozen, saying it's come out of the embers. This uh, this song, out of the embers. It should go back in the embers, really. It's another typical song with repetitive lyrics. There's another one out at the moment. Uh, I need a little love, and the lyrics are: I need a little love, I need a little love, I need a little love, I need a little. You know, for God's sake, give him a bit of love and shut him up. But uh, you know, I do like good songs. But you know, I don't. I don't know why we bother with the Eurovision, to be honest. Because now I know why my parents felt the way they did and hated the stuff we used to listen to. I know how they felt now. But uh, it sounds like another nil poire to me. Make this one, but I could be wrong. But, you know, why do we bother? You know, it's obviously money's involved, I would have thought, you know, with the Eurovision, because we never get anywhere. And the songs are, you know, with the Eurovision, to me, you need a novelty song. You need something that's different. Like we used to, like when they had that uh, Kisses for Me and that nonsense. You know, at least it was, you know, it, it had a, a bit of a gimmick to it. You know, that's what you need. I imagine maybe this fellow, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen it perform, but... Mm. The song's terrible. You know, well, it's, it's, it's not not wishing again to sound as if I'm taking a different point of view. I think I would mention uh, that there was a song which you and I grew up to, "Je t'aime moi non plus," where <laughs> Serge Gainsborough and uh, Jane Birkin puffed and yeah. huffed and puffed all the way through the three or four minutes of the song. If you remember yeah. that one, yeah. I mean, it was it was a little bit different. And when I used to be DJing, obviously later on, you know, I think there's always been these things about. But when it comes to um, when it comes to the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, I, I, I must say I did like. Um, some of the hits, as you know, Tony Hiller was my friend, uh, the man that formed the Brotherhood of Man, wrote the songs, lovely man. And all those songs he wrote were all nice, happy, bouncy songs. And you can, you know, you can hear a nice personality via the song, whereas these days you hear the production. And, yeah. you know, I do remember, uh, I was only talking to somebody yesterday about this, uh, around the mid-70s, I think it was, maybe a little bit later, and they were talking about the guitar never, ever uh, being played again. They were trying to say it was going to finish because it was, sorry, it was the 80s because that was when the synthesizers came in. And um, I really did feel, well, is it worth bothering playing the guitar much more? You know, because um, from what they were saying, and I bought a keyboard, and obviously I began to play a bit of keyboard and I enjoyed it. But the guitars certainly haven't gone away. I mean, a good, great guitar player is somebody to be admired and enjoyed. And um, it's just an event. I think, quite honestly, um, Britain did have some sort of a formula with puppet on a string and boom, bang, a bang and uh, celebration and all that sort of stuff that was going about. But we don't seem to have those type of songs because I've got the idea that we don't have that type of songwriter anymore. I mean, no. if they put Ed Sheeran into it, 
Um, yeah. But they don't do that. They don't select the best. Uh, it's like having the national football team and playing all your amateurs, really. That's what it's yeah. like for me. It is, yeah. I, I believe Barry Mason's died. Oh, that's sad. I, I, I don't know if it's true. Somebody put a, a thing on Facebook saying what a great songwriter he was. Engelbert Humperdinck put something on Facebook. Oh, dear. Saying, you know, I'm going to miss him. So it sounds like he might have passed on. Well, Barry Mason. that's a sad one because uh, Barry Mason, uh, he came across with Leapy Lee to the radio station. Um, I met him, met him twice, actually. And uh, he was telling us about uh, when he wrote Delilah, you know, and uh, basically just nice uh, nice guy i've got a nice podcast I'm, I'll, I'll dig it out and, and let, uh, send well, it to well, you he came to the cheshire cats and i backed him oh well there we are you see so we both know he's a nice man he did, he did all his songs and uh we, we got a little band together and we backed him with the delilah and all those yeah nice yeah. fella he's an ex ex royal marine yeah well nice. i mean the thing is so many of the um the great song composers and performers from that era did actually come from uh, military bands and military music and um, it's one of those things I think if you go into the army and then find kindred spirits I mean it's like having a band being formed for you before your very eyes I think uh, there's some great stories that I heard over the years from people that had done that well that's, yeah. a, that's a sad one that yeah, really, I, may, yeah. I may be wrong I may be wrong but there was a picture of Engelbert Humperdinck and him on Facebook, and he was saying he's going to miss this this great fella, you know. And people were saying, "Oh, what a sad thing." I, I mean, I'm assuming it's right, so I don't know if he has. But yeah, very sad. Uh, but as I say, you know, when they talk about modern music, I listen to songs and I listen to the production. I hear everything on the record: the bass, the the rhythm, even the guitar, rhythm guitars. I listen for everything in the string, the arrangement. Nowadays. You have this rap stuff, and it's just like someone hitting a cardboard box in the background. You know, there's no, there's very little production. There's no, I like to hear a real drum being hit, you know. But then again, that's just me. And even the old stuff, you, when you listen to Rock Around the Clock, you know, 1955, it's great. You know, it's still good. It still stands up for production. You've got the guitar and the sax playing in harmony. On the, and it's brilliant, you know. But there's a lot of rubbish back then as well. It's not like, oh, you know, it's rubbish these days. There's a lot of rubbish back then. But some of the Buddy Holly stuff, it still stands up today. And it's better than the stuff that's being produced today in, in studios, you know, in big studios. And, of course, Don, uh, immediately from what you're saying, uh, I can remember them telling us that uh, Tamla Motown used to have people shaking boxes of pins and stamping yeah. on stairs and all that sort of yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's some great stories about people using their imagination in studios and, um, you know, I just think, really, the, the problem is we're, we're maybe a bit grumpy about some of these things when really it's very difficult um, to probably for young people today I would imagine it's very difficult to come up with something totally new without somebody rapping halfway through it or you know putting a bit yeah. of sex or something violent into it um, which is sad really because we did come from an age when we had golden melodies nice music people talking about nice things 
it, it was just a nicer time, wasn't it? Just after the war. Yeah, but the music, you see, the, the, the music then still stands up today. You know, a lot of it. I was never into Tamil Motown, to be honest. It didn't, you know, did nothing for me at all. That, but you know, when you listen, I've got I've got a, a CD in the car which I found in my attic, and it, it's all the, the number ones from the fifties and rock and put rock, and jailhouse rock. I mean, the production, considering they had one mic, you know, and they were standing on, it's fantastic, and it's, it's got the the atmosphere, it's got the lot, and it really rocks, you know, but. Like modern modern stuff. Some of it's good. Some of it's all right. You get the odd good song, but you know, to me, it, it's meaningless. You know, and repetitive. I want to I need a bit of love. I need a bit of love. It's rubbish. And then the back on all here is. Don't 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 forget uh, where where we've had the COVID message for a year. You've had rock around the clock since 1956. So that's quite a few years, isn't it, for it to sink in that you like it. <laughs> all right look um you don't get van morrison now i have to be honest i'm not the biggest van morrison fan either i do think he's a bit overrated because he does have the stage personality of probably something you might pass by in the street um but uh, i'm looking down by the way um so uh tell us what you've got for me about his new album yeah, there's some mature recording artists, to be honest. I just don't get the mature. Van Morrison is being one of them. He's got a new album out, and, and they're, they're, they're playing bits of it on Radio 2 or whatever. He, to me, he always sounds like he's got a gob full of marbles. You know, I just don't get him. And he's got no personality, and he's a knight of the realm. Yes, sir, Van Morrison. Why? I don't know what he's done. You know, way beyond me. And I can't, I also can't stand Robbie Williams in any shape or form. I cannot, he, he makes my skin crawl because I remember what he was like when he started. He was obnoxious, arrogant, and, he, and, and I just don't like the songs even, you know. Get your ass over here. Let me entertain you. And he was horrible when he was young. And the way he treated Gary Barlow, uh, and, and you know it, it was he's awful Robbie Williams I can't stand him in any form you know because as I say I remember what he was like you see people forget that oh now he's here oh like you know yeah I really enjoy being on the telly you know get he'll be a knight of the realm soon be careful well, well, absolutely you can see that coming <laughs> now here's one Cliff Richard <laughs> right <laughs> I watched the program on him, the story of Cliff Ritchie, and for the life of me, I don't know why I don't like him. I watched him, and I, I, I just thought, I can't stand... It makes me cringe, but I don't know why, because the guy does nothing wrong, you know? And he had this program on him, all, all the things he's done. I mean, when he was with The Shadows, the early days, the Move It days, which wasn't actually The Shadows then, but, you know, his early... The drifter days. days. if you like. I liked him. I thought he was great. Then all of a sudden, someone told him he could croon. So he starts doing these slow songs, and then he suddenly finds he can do a falsetto note like the Bee Gees, and then he puts this, ha, 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 this tremolo on his voice, which is dreadful. Um, and I watch him, 
I, I was watching this program and, and he's doing these concerts with with big orchestras and everything, and I thought, why don't I like him? I, I can't I can't give you one reason why he makes me cringe, but he does. So there you go. That's a strange one for you. I mean, <laughs> the guy has stood the test of time. As I said in my letter, if he threw a television through a hotel window, perhaps once or twice, that would make the difference to me. That would make it at least, you know. But he's too squeaky clean, it, you know. Oh, and, and he comes on and he's he, he's sort of self-promoting all the time, you know. I don't know. But as I say, I can't really fault him. I've got to say, um, I think Cliff has been exemplary. Um, You know, you see, the trouble is, Dom, we've got to the age that we are. We've got quite strong views about certain things. And I think also we want our cake and we want to eat it. Because unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, you know, uh, Cliff Richard has been absolutely the best thing as a counterbalance um, to the bad stuff that goes on. And what have what has he got to show for it? He's got some smug BBC producer deciding that they're not going to play his records. And, yeah. uh, you know, the songs are good songs. We don't have to like them. I actually do like most of his songs, actually. Um, I feel really that he's been um, pilloried because of his Christian faith. And I think that's very sad because, you know, not everybody in the world is bad. I always remember sitting with Emile Ford, uh, who was a very good friend of of mine, and I'm sure you will have met him as well. Emile was often round at the house and he was talking about the forces of good and evil. And I think that this is a very good example of exactly that, because realistically, Cliff is a he's a great ambassador. There are so many people want to put a slur on him and tell you that he's gay, this, that and the other, which really is none of our business. Uh, no, but, absolutely. No. But I mean, re- really, um, you can't fault him. Look, at you can't. He's can't. reinvented himself so many times. I can't fault him, and I watch him, but I, I think, oh, you know, it's just, I don't know what it is. I wish I did know what it was. I mean, I'm actually, he came to Radio Merseyside and, and wandered around, and he was talking to people. But, you know, I, I just don't know why I watch him, and I think, no, you know, it's not it. It's not right. He, he's prancing around the stage, and I don't know. I don't know why it is. I, I wish he did. Well, no, I understand where you're coming from because, for example, his dance routines aren't very good and probably he'd be better to just be himself. And, I mean, he's got so many fans that love him for who he is anyway, you know. No, I I am quite a Cliff fan because I just think he's done so much uh, good as well as um, the, the songs. I just think that he's just been a very, very nice man. And I think the Shadows, as a group, um, to back him, they've been pretty good guys as well. I, I just like Cliff and the Shadows. Mind yeah, you... I, I like Cliff and the Shadows, but I don't like him on his own. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. You're jealous! I wish I could explain. He's too squeaky clean to be, to be like a pop star. You need a <laughs> bit, of, bit of edge. You know, if you had a bit of edge, 
or or an, an opinion. It's he's too nice all the time, and you think like, well, nobody could be that nice all the time. It's got it's got to be there's got to be something wrong. Well, but, I I, you know, I think it's not... it's pretty obvious that you and I couldn't be that nice all the time. But <laughs> uh, okay, what about somebody like John and Yoko then? Oh man, I don't know if you saw this. It was a TV program called The Black Album, and it's some guy was creating an album of his favourite John Lennon songs after John had left the Beatles. Again, I just don't get it, mate. I, I, was, I mean, the Beatles, I, I'm eternally grateful to the Beatles because when they came out, they brought guitar groups in, in fashion and we all went out and made money thanks to the Beatles. And if you had a Liverpool accent, whenever you played, you went down great because the Beatles were it. Like, but I was never particularly a fan. I liked some of the stuff, you know, uh, I saw her standing there and Penny Lane. So some of the stuff was great, but some of the stuff wasn't, you know. But this this black album with John, the songs were dreadful. It's stuff he's written since he left the Beatles. They were I mean, not just my opinion, they were awful, the songs. And the videos Basically, we're all John walking along in a hideous fair coat with a Spanish hat with a big rim, with Yoko by his side occasionally stopping for a kiss. You know, it must have cost about 30 bob to make the video, you know. Um, I liked some of the early Beatles stuff, as I say, but they lost their way. They definitely lost their way, in my opinion. You know, they, they brought in... Um, What's his name? The other guy, I uh, can never remember his name. The, the, the producer guy who produced him. Oh, George Martin. George Martin. You know, now, he was brilliant, but it wasn't the Beatles. You see, you have, like, uh, Yesterday by the Beatles. It wasn't the Beatles. It, it was it was Paul McCartney, you know, and, and Eleanor Rigby wasn't the Beatles. It was Paul McCartney and the String Quartet. You know, you're telling me Ringo's playing a, a cello. You know... They sort of lost their way along the way, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I don't know, the love and peace thing was never going to make a difference to the world, was it? You know, the, the human race have been <laughs> fighting wars for thousands of years and will continue to do so for thousands more years. You know, laying on a bed for a week telling everyone to give peace a chance was never really going to make any difference, was it? You know, but this programme... I don't know, it was the songs. And Yoko, she's made a few records. They're unbelievable. She's just walking. You know, it's, I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But uh, that programme, if you if you can watch it, it's called The Black Album. Try and watch it if you can. It might, it'll be on again. I think it was on BBC4 or... Sky Arts. I've, I've a feeling I might have seen that, by the way. Um, and quite honestly, uh, I'll, I'll state my my affinities. I, I love the Beatles. I've always been a Beatles yeah, fan. But, but by the time they got to about the White Album, I think they'd lost the plot. Um, don't forget, they met the Maharishi and uh, they were all on the drugs and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but doesn't this happen to so many 
people in music. I mean, the thing about you and I is that we've had the counterbalance. We've been able to go and do our sport and um, enjoy um, a, a different life as well as music. And unfortunately, uh, I think when you have these other people uh, who have committed themselves only to the music, uh, that realistically they basically um, they, they've gone off the rails and they've been, uh, shall we say, um, hijacked by people in business and people who should really uh, be looking after them because obviously they were older and they didn't. And of course, again, probably the other side of it is that the Beatles as young men were probably doing what everybody else has done. We've all been there, making mistakes and trusting people and thinking that the people who... Um, are supposedly going to be our friends are they're not our friends at all you know our friends were always our parents and 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 people that would tell us that they don't like us because we're doing something you know that's the that's the reality and then of course um when it came to uh, meeting uh <laughs> yoko ono i mean she was different uh, could she sing I think that you'd probably get a better sound out of a hedgehog being scraped against a bin liner. I mean, the thing is, she could, she could never sing. And who on earth put her in a studio making those noises? They obviously, um, they, they, were take, they were taking the mickey. They, they were just having a laugh. I think that was just absolutely ridiculous. The thing is, with, with them, they were charismatic, you see, the Beatles. Uh, and when they came out, they were new. The world was ready. The timing was perfect when they came out. And people were buying the Beatles. You know, I mean, Love Me Do is a load of rubbish. You know, I mean, Love Me Do. A, a, a kid in school could write that. It, it, it's, it's rubbish, in my opinion. But it was, a, it was a big hit, eventually. You know, because you're buying them, you're seeing them do it. Uh, and they were very charismatic and the girls went mad and, and, and it's like the mass hysteria kicked in you know like everybody throwing flowers on, on the grave of uh, Lady Di you didn't even know her you know but you get, you get pulled into this which is what happened with them but as I say you get four fellas standing up playing the guitars they, they give us or, 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 or the rest of us all us skifflers you know the way forward and they open the doors so that's what i'm eternally grateful for but they definitely definitely lost it you know and and ringo i mean it, it, it's just say ringo star there's no answer to that really but um you know and as i say it's only my opinion i know they're very very popular but i thought that, like the beach boys lost their way with pet sounds in yeah. my opinion they were, they were a surfing band, surfing records, great. And then you come up with this nonsense, you know, the, oh, it was just awful and, and overproduced stuff and took them six months to make records, you know, it, it was ridiculous. But, you know, that, that's only my opinion, you know. Well, so they, look, you see, I think you've got a couple of things to bear in mind. First and foremost, uh, you obviously have got your musical personality, then you've got your own personality as well. 
and uh, basically you Don't said some <laughs> yeah but you said something last week which is exactly uh, really about what we're talking about which is um, why play Bohemian Rhapsody when you can get away with living doll those were your words yeah, and, yeah. and I thought, well, that's sensible, that, Don. And the sad thing about really what you're saying is that um, some of this particular music that you didn't like, it was overcomplicated. I think it got overcomplicated. That's where I think it started to change. Because I think what happens with so much of everything in life is people overcomplicate it. And then eventually, um, you know, other people um, come in and they take over. And before you can say Jack Robinson, everything's confused and different. And what started off as a simple and good idea, like the Beatles, if you imagine going... To, <laughs> imagine, there we are, little pun. If you can imagine the, the people going down to the cabin, uh, the cavern, sorry, and uh, seeing the boys playing and uh, getting the atmosphere. I mean, you and I both know that the place... Was was a dump it was a horrible place yeah, um, yeah. like so many of the clubs they they basically were were money for old rope for people that could manage to um to, to get one of them but we all enjoyed it and then we be, became part of what we now see is the mantra of the media so you know once the media started being able to tell everybody how good the beatles were and you all saw this you know, tatty-headed foursome going on a plane and off to America to play and everything. It was exciting. You've got to remember your youth, Don, because, you know, without your youth, you don't get the perspective of today. It's still fascinating. I still find them fascinating to watch. I've got a link on my TV. Anything to do with the Beatles comes up and I watch it. It's fascinating. And I think, like, it's... Because I don't think they knew what was going on, you know. But what I, what I object to is they should have carried on playing live for a, a lot longer and playing the hits people want to hear, you know, because you connect with your audience then. You, you know, if, if they'd have gone on playing live, please, please me and all that, as a four-piece, perhaps, and perhaps a bit of backing. See, ELO do it. He goes out and, and he's put a band together which does ELO numbers, and they're brilliant live, you know. And that's what they should have done instead of sitting in the studio and writing songs all day. I mean, you know, that isn't what it's about to me, anyway. But, but Don, you see, partly you're arguing against yourself because (laughs) Paul McCartney did that. He broke away from uh, the Beatles for whatever reason it all happened. Uh, And we think probably there was more to it and then we think that possibly the ladies and their influence came into it. I mean, it's all human dynamics and group dynamics. And and when you look at Paul McCartney, I mean, I've got to say, he's a bit like um, Cliff Richard. I think basically, you know, he seems to be a very nice guy. He makes some gorgeous songs. Uh, John Lennon wrote some really, really good songs as well. And I do feel that sometimes if we're not careful, um, we forget what we've actually seen. And then, unfortunately, we've lived through the change. And I can still see Paul McCartney. uh, I see so much of his earlier days in his performances when he's out now. I mean, that thing with uh, James Corden in the um, the carpool thing, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I think... I think sometimes, um, I, I have to do this, by the way, uh, I have to sometimes look at what I'm criticising and then think 
of what I really was like at maybe the age they were doing those things. But it's very difficult because we've come to an age now and we do see life differently. Yeah, you're right though. Paul is like, uh, he's like um, Cliff, you're right. It, it's good. I've met him actually, I met Paul, he's a nice fella. Great well, guy. well, I've got that photograph which is on the website. Yeah, he's a nice fella. Uh, I, I, worked, I did a lot of stuff with uh, Mike, his brother. Yeah. And uh, he was great, a really nice fella, Paul. I liked him very much. And well, Linda, he was married to Linda then before, obviously, before she died. And she was lovely, you know. But uh, as a, you know, personalities out of it, I'm looking at the actual music. You know, personally, I wasn't a, I wasn't a massive fan. They should have carried on playing for a l- bit longer. But as I say, the, the excuse was you c- they couldn't hear what they were playing over the screams, which, you know, I suppose that's that's an excuse, isn't it, I suppose? But really? it's, it's life, Don. We're all... Whatever, whatever we make of our lives is down to A, our own whether or not we're going to work hard enough, etc. And B, whether people we meet along the road are nice to us and try to help us, etc. And I have to say, I think Paul McCartney, of, of all the people that have got a sir, I do think that he does nice things and I think he behaves himself reasonably well. Of yeah, course, yeah, when he was younger, he was into his drugs, you know. Yeah. But, but that's the sad thing because you've got to take the overall thing now if you were to um, try your best to put Paul McCartney into the same time frame as Robbie Williams who we were talking oh. about a minute ago oh. um, we're talking about two very different people yeah. you know what I mean um, I, Paul McCartney never seemed to be one of the lads who went out drinking and that sort of stuff no well yeah well, you can't compare him with Robbie. I mean, I, I remember Robbie Williams starting, and he, he presented a kids' program uh, when he was with Take That. Each one of them each week presented a children's program, and he presented it on a bed. And he's saying, "I'm on this bed, all on my own," and sort of winking. You know, it's a kids' program. Yeah. You know, there's no need for that. And then. They got interviewed later, and someone said, "When you've left, well, now you're allowed to take that. What you're doing?" And he says, "Oh, I go round, blank, 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 in birds. You oh. know, there's no need. You know, the fella's an arrogant, horrible bloke. And then all of a sudden, he's all nice, you know. And then they get back with with Gary Barlow. I mean." Take that, I can take that or take him or leave him, mate. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, Don, I've got to say something here because, you see, I feel exactly the same about people like Boy George, who basically have been horrible people as young people. They've been foul. And um, there are others. I mean, he's just my quick example. And based around his behaviour and his influence on young people, there is a part of the media who look for these people they are like gold dust people like yeah, you and yeah. i who try to yeah. keep the rules and be reasonably nice people they're not interested in you and i because that's we're not we're not in this mold give me somebody yeah. who can c- 
confuse sexuality for all the children. Uh, there's boy George straight away. Let's get him in there and start this thing that we're now seeing where kids don't know whether the boys are girls or anything. Yeah. That's yeah. the beginning of the continuum for me. This is the teacher in me coming out. Um, yeah. uh, and I do think that your Robbie Williams examples are exactly right. And then what they do, these media moguls, they bring them back in so that they can still pollute but in a different way at a different age. I think it's very, very, um, very sneaky the way they do it, very clever, and I think this is part of what we're living through. Don, I think you better tell us about the song because last week um, there was a bit of confusion over the song. I got so excited <laughs> over I'd like to strangle my boss and the <laughs> fact that you couldn't count from one to five. Today's date is, by the way, the 19th of... Um, of April, which, which came up as a different date. Um, I mean, we're, we are, we're getting confused, Don. What do you mean, we? What do you mean, we? Well, I can count from one to five, Don. <laughs> <laughs> OK, it's a good story, this one. Tell us about it. This is a classic, mate. This is a classic. There's a fellow lived in our road. Um, oh, this is going back to the early 80s. And he was a bit of a high flyer. And he, got, he, he told me he's in with this guy in Birmingham who's going to put on this massive rodeo. That guy that sang Tell Laura I Love Her, you know him, don't you? Yeah, yeah, Ricky Valance. He died, of Ricky course. Well. He was going to be one of the stars on this. And, he was, and this fellow was going to have this massive rodeo in Birmingham with all these country and western stars coming over. It was going to be a huge event. And um, <laughs> it, it, the police were going to stop the traffic and everything to, to put this massive event on. This is him telling me this. And he said he wants to make a record, but he can't sing. And he said, I've told him, you know, you, you can do that sort of thing. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. He said his name was Brian Sundance Brooks, because the cowboy stuff in Birmingham's big. You know, they have all these cowboy pubs and everything, and uh, everyone dresses up as cowboys. No hope, really, but there you go. <laughs> and uh, the, he, he sort of, um, I said, yeah. I'll make a record, and his, his shop was called Urban Cowboy. He had this cowboy shop that he ran, selling cowboy gear. So I said, yeah, I'll do the song, and, and, and I'll, 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 I'll sing it and, and call it Brian Sundance Brooks. You can pretend it's him, you know, it makes no difference. I said, that's no problem. I said, I'll write the song, um, put it on a vinyl, uh, and uh, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. And, that, and that's it. So there's no problem. Right, so there's a big meeting in, in Birmingham, honestly. You couldn't write this, mate. I go down to Birmingham, and we go into this place, and there's all these high-powered guys, high flyers from London. Oh, yeah, we're working for the gaffer. We got these brochures and that brochures. How are you doing, Charles? Oh, yes, I've just had flying lessons for my helicopter. You know, this is what I was listening to, all this bull. And I was thinking, oh, dear, yeah. So they're all, oh, yeah, we got this for the gaffer. In comes the gaffer, Paul Sundance Brooks, dressed as a cowboy, you see, with a cowboy hat a lot, you know. And uh, I thought, hmm. So we get to the discussing this great massive event that's going to come out. And I said, uh, it came to me, and I said, yeah, I'll do the song. I said, no problem. And I'll call it Urban Cowboy and say you, you, you're the singer and everything, so you can put it on the radio. I said, I'll get you 500 vinyls. It'll cost you 500 quid. Fine. I said, but I want paying up front. Uh, oh, there's these gasps of disbelief. And I said, well, 
you know, I thought, well, there's no problem. I said, there's no problem paying me up front. I said, there's no problem, you know. Oh, well, you'll get paid. I said, well, that, you know, that's it. So that's the way I work, up front or, or that, or, you know, that's it. Oh, okay, so get me money, do the record, out the 500, go down to the bloke in the street, said, I've done these records. He said, Brown Sundance Brooks has vanished <laughs> with, with, with all the investment money and in the Rolls Royce he'd hired. <laughs> no one saw him again. He emptied his shop out overnight, so nobody... They go to his shop, he wasn't there, gone, vanished. No one's seen him since, don't know where he is. <laughs> so that's the story behind the record. So I had these 500 records, which, you know, I didn't know what to do with. So I took them to uh, the Liso Castle here. They have a cowboy thing here. It's a organisation, charity thing. So I said, yeah, you can have these, sell them for 50 pence each, you make a few hundred I said, you can have them, you know, for your charity. <laughs> I said they're no good to me, and that was it. That's the story behind Urban Cowboy. It's the it's the record that never was. <laughs> Silver bullets in my matching 45s A big ten-gallon Stetson apple low across my eyes As I roll a cigarette, I think you'll realise Soon the whole wide world will know my name Me and my tin star step out at sunrise every day Get my daily paper past the milkman on the way since I first pulled on my boots, I think it's fair to say The Wild West Midlands just ain't been the same I'm the urban cowboy I swap my suit for all the western gear I'm the urban cowboy Bringing back those days of yesteryear my mountains are the council flats, my prairie is the street My saloon's the corner pub where all the locals meet My tumbleweeds, some old chip paper blowing round my feet My bunkhouse is my beat-up garden shed How I'd like to saddle up and hightail back in time To those wide open spaces, sure would be mighty fine where you'd never see a bus queue or a double yellow line Just miles and miles of sunny skies instead I'm the urban cowboy I've swapped my suit for all the western gear Passing by the local multi-store Don't be surprised to see a horse tied up Outside the door I'm the urban cowboy I've swapped my suit for all the western gear Yes, I'm bringing back those days of yesterday. 